Good morning and welcome into Big Talk. I'm Dalton Shetler with Sam Sprunger. And of course, Big Talk is the place for college sports with Midwest perspective, blue collar and blue blood. And I, I started off with good morning, but I suppose if you're listening to us on tape, you could be listening to us at any time. So let's let's throw all the courtesies. Good yeah. afternoon. Good evening. Just in case that way we're coming. Good morning. Good afternoon. And good night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that works. But but nonetheless, uh, we got some different things to get into here on this episode of Big Talk. Uh, we're going to be talking about the basketball tournament. And if you're not quite familiar and you're saying, how am I supposed to just know what basketball tournament he's talking about? We're talking about the uh, basketball uh, tournament. The one for, that's right. The one for a million dollar cash prize. Winner takes all. All the different teams getting together. It's been a, a great event that I believe this is year number 10 of say, the basketball tournament. Um, it's it's really grown. We'll be talking about that because there's a nice Big Ten influence in that. Also, uh, from the non-on-the-court or on-the-field perspective, there is quite the battle brewing between different states uh, here in the country and how they go against the NCAA and how some of those schools in the States will be going against the NCAA. You're already getting the head shake <laughs> from Sam. Uh, it, it's been a topic for some time, but it's it's taking on another wrinkle. And uh, maybe this ends up giving us a little bit of promise because we're going to have some kind of answer. Because as we're currently working, states are just kind of doing whatever they want. And so at least at least maybe this story will help us to kind of even and iron some things out. But eh, we'll, we'll see. We'll get into that a little bit later on. But do you want to start off? It seems like you got a thought before I, I pitched the, the first. It just all could have been avoided if they would have just, you know, thought about it. That, uh, that's a frustration that we've kept bottled inside for a few years now. Uh, but let's start off with the basketball tournament. Uh, the basketball tournament is coming up this next Wednesday, July 19th. Yes, and it's spread out over several different locations because this tournament is huge. Um, it, it, it'll have a couple of Midwest locations. It finds itself in uh, Dayton, a couple other areas across the Midwest. Um, but there are four official Big Ten teams, alumni teams, I, I should clarify, in this event. Those four official teams, you have Maryland, you have Penn State, you have Ohio State, who's won the whole thing before. And then you have Sam Sprunger's Men of Mackey, the Purdue alumni team. Yeah, we had uh, we I, I, the guy's name the 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 general manager of the men of Mackey on last year so uh yeah i this is this is the tournament the basketball tournament which it tries to you know mirror the ncaa in sorts in the aspect of there's 64 teams you know then right and the, and the great thing is is this is to me this is be better than the big three tournament because it's full basketball and that's you know not that i don't like three-on-three -three basketball but it's you know it's more street basketball this is as close to the type of basketball that i really get into and it's in the middle of the summer that's the nice thing is yeah is and and, and i think they played it out very well doing that is and, and i think maybe that's why it's picked up its its popularity and that hey the winner gets a million dollars and 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 that's that's it correct that's the only payday yep. that anybody gets and only prize that anybody gets is you have to win the whole thing and, and so yeah i like it well and it's it. uh so it's fascinating because we talk about the growth of popularity I recently had a, a chance to catch up with the founder of the basketball tournament john mugar yeah and and in talking with him asked if there was a moment to him that defines the growth of, of where this thing kind of became. And he says he remembers like the first basketball tournament that they, they put on. Uh, there was 13 people in the stands <laughs> watching this game and he's watching a team warm up and they just barely had even five guys going through the warm up line. And John said he was sitting there on the sideline going, uh, my, this is, this is it. This, everything's flashing in front of me. So it like, 
I, we put all this time, effort in, and this is the result. And then all of a sudden, as the clock is ticking down to start the game, Marshall Henderson, the old Ole Miss superstar, yeah. had jersey halfway on, his sneakers are unlaced, but he comes jogging out onto the floor because he was supposed to play with one of those teams. And so he hurries up, finishes, ties his shoes, and they tip the ball off. And, and he had there was a couple other stars in that game, too. But once Marshall Henderson got out there, that was like the turning point for the founder of this tournament who just had like birthed this idea that, hey, we're it's actually going to be OK. Like it, people are taking this serious. And it just took off from there where now you have 8000 people in each arena uh, for these games. It's incredible. Has it always been a million dollars from the get go? I don't know if it was always a million dollars, but there was a payday at the end. Always. There was a payday. Um, I think one year it ended up going to two mil. I think for I one say, year, a couple of years, uh, not too long ago for at least one season or one mm -hmm. tournament, it was two million. I remember that. It just, and a lot of people think, oh, well, million dollars. Well, you got to remember there's what? 15 guys on the team you know plus coaches plus you have an organization that more than it's not just 15 guys to get together and they split it, it there normally there's an, an organization so they're playing for the love of this game now don't get me wrong they're getting some money out of it it's not mm -hmm. it's not nothing but like they're going to play just because they love basketball and there's there's some teams that man, probably aren't going to bode very well but they're in and they're playing they're part of tbt that's and that's that's the cool thing and by the way too if uh you're unfamiliar tbt features the elam ending mm -hmm. uh the yes, elam ending. ending yeah and, and so let's I explain do. to listeners real quick just in case they're they're unaware so elam ending uh in in a traditional basketball game obviously you play until the clock runs out to to its length for regulation with elam ending you get to a certain point in the clock and the clock shuts off and whatever the score is, let's say it's 72 to 68, you add seven or eight points, whatever they predetermine with the Elam ending in their formula. Uh, and, it, and it goes for the entire tournament. The formula doesn't change right. during the tournament. Sometimes it'll change during the off season, but so whatever they, they go with, let's say it's seven points and the score is 72, 68. They'll put up on a board target score 79. They add seven points to the leading score. And then the first team to hit 79 ends up winning the game. And uh, the reason why this is great is because you've now taken away some of that late game fouling. Like yes. it, it instead of just free throw, free throw, free throw, and kind of a hopeless effort to try and stay in the game, uh, you actually are playing to win instead of just playing the clock. You have to keep scoring. You have to keep uh, going at, at the certain pace. Get up, baby! <laughs> and you know what else this means is you're guaranteed to have a game-winning bucket every yeah, single huh? game. What 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 I hate, and and you're right, is a team down by eh, twelve points. Let's say twelve points with thirty-eight seconds left. They're not winning the game. 99.9 .9, almost infinite amount of nines percent of the time there's no chance that they're going to win that game but yet they're fouling and it's like mm -hmm. dude you're down double digits with less than a minute or less than less than 30 seconds left please stop just and run and i've never cheered more for like coaches to just throw in the towel and say look we're done okay this is we're done just let them run it out Let's get off of the court. I, oh, yeah, and, it's, it's embarrassing sometimes. And and besides even from just that fold, this also actually gives those teams a wider chance to make a comeback. Right, right. Like it, it like it's it's the math has proven out, and there have been some of those ridiculous comebacks uh, during the basketball tournament with the help of Nick Elam and this Elam ending. And of course the Elam ending's grown too, where it's hit some professional leagues and it, well, the, the NBA, NBA all-star All uses game. it. Yeah. The yeah. NBA all-star game uses it as its ending, which I love that. Now, now is it like you said, is it, they, they change it in the off season, but like, is it like for the NBA all-star game, do they just predetermine how many, like last, uh, the year, uh, Kobe Bryant passed, I think they said it was 24. 
or whatever or, or whatever mm-hmm. like it was so many points they can decide however many yes. but like for the basketball tournament and most of the time it's like seven points added on to the end I, th- I think one time I saw it being eight, but I, for the reason, for whatever reason, seven seems to be the number that's in my head. But if you haven't experienced the Elam ending, I mean, that's that's almost reason enough to uh, go ahead and, and tune in this this uh, upcoming week again, Wednesday, July 19th, as this gets going. But do you want to meet a couple of these teams here, Sam? We mentioned there's four official Big Ten alumni teams. Please. Let's go ahead and start off with the men of Mackey because Sam, as we all know, has a very heavy Purdue interest. Do I? Um, <laughs> I, I now, thought I hit it pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> now, so for the men of Mackey, they, they've picked up a couple of different players that aren't uh, necessarily Purdue alums. And, and there's a couple tie-ins like Purdue Fort Wayne alums, right. um, some different players like that. But I'm going to hit a couple of the Boilermakers just so some of the it's it's uh, some names that our, our listeners might be used to. Um, David Jenkins, who just finished Brand playing new. there. Um, so he's on the squad this upcoming year. You also have Kelsey Barlow. If you remember his time in the black and gold. I do. Uh, this is not a Purdue alum, but folks around northern Indiana should certainly remember this one. Kyle Mangus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he mm-hmm. ended up playing at IWU, had a tremendous career. One of the, uh, just a good phenomenal shooter, score. great shooter. And oh. he's he's on that squad. Lewis Jackson, former Boilermaker, going mm-hmm. to be on there. Uh, no Shell Eastern. He transferred away. I'm surprised. That's a that's a name that had escaped me over the last few years. But No Shell Eastern. When he was at Purdue, they were talking about him being the best player on the team, like athlete, uh, the best athlete on the team at the time. And it just worked out to where uh, I, I believe it was the the time where, uh, you know, you had Ivy, you had Williams, you had, you know, just people that kind of took the ball away from him and he wasn't able to uh, to really flex his muscles and he, you know, transferred away. Well, and you're right. He was athletic and he was a, a premier defender, mm-hmm, but offensively right. he had str- scoring issues. Like yes. that just wasn't his suit. And like, you remember the, the free throw struggles that he had and, and oh, kept working the free on free throws were the horrible. The, those are the thing. That's the thing. I remember the, the, his biggest issue was he couldn't, he could, he was worse than Shaq. It was rough, but <laughs> got a great defender here on this Minimaki team. Oh yeah, I I I I missed it when when he left. I was I was kind of I wasn't heartbroken, but I was like, oh, that sucks. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because you know you you could see, you know, if things just fell in line, you could see him being a really spectacular player. Uh, the last one that our listeners probably know, I, I imagine they know this name, uh, Robbie Hummel. Oh. Was it? Was he a boilermaker? I could. I, yeah. I, I, I forgot. I forgot. You know, he, he didn't do much when he was with. No, I'm that's right. That's right. Oh shoot! No. So Robbie Hummel being there is going to be big. I, I was surprised not to read Isaac Haas's name. I, I figured yeah. Isaac Haas would be back again. Yeah. Well, maybe he's maybe he's out intimidating other people, such as yourself. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's nothing like seeing that giant in person. Well, um, he was chiseled. That was the thing is, is, you know, you can see big and be like, yeah, he's a big dude. And then you see big and chiseled and you're like, hmm, okay, I get it. Yeah. You know, those movie plots where like the government makes like some kind of <laughs> weapon of war. Like that's what Isaac Hassel looks Have like straight Rocky, off the movie have, screen. Have you seen Rocky four with uh, the rush? You know, Drago, hundred percent looks like that, Drago. That, that, that looks, you know, the the kind of comparison there. He kind of even resembles Drago a little. Bit. Yeah, he really like, does. But that chiseled chin and jawline, I must break you. <laughs> if he dies, he dies. <laughs> if he dies, he dies. <laughs> so let's move over to the Maryland. Wow, you know a little bit of pulp, pop culture there, Dalton, so, probably, uh, pal. Rocky, Rocky's a bit of a, like an American staple. Like if, if you don't know Rocky, Iconic. you can't. Yeah, you know. Now you're, we're young enough, and I say we're, but we're young enough to actually enjoy Rocky Four. They're the people that were around and kind of older when the original one and two came out. Absolutely said that they hated 
for. And I'm like, that was the one that like, caught my attention to the Rocky franchise. So I like it. <laughs> it, it pays not to be in the moment to see those right. <laughs> as it turns that's out. That's right. Um, let's Maryland. move to the Maryland team. They got a couple of different players too, that they've picked up from some other teams. So I'm going to go ahead and move past some of those. Uh, Demonte Dodd is coming to play oh. for that Maryland team. Okay. That's a big, yeah, oh, that's a big <laughs> name. That's a six foot 11 guy too. Yeah. center for him. Um, Daryl Morsell will be playing on the Maryland team. You also have, uh, let me scroll down. LJ, LG Gill will play on that team. Uh, Maurice Creek will play oh. on the Maryland team and old Hoosier. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see. I thought they might have another one. Uh, Robert Carter, who's a power forward from Maryland, will play on that team. Uh, and Roddy Peters. So that's kind of how the Maryland no alumni team will stack up. No, Joe Smith. <laughs> <laughs> no, Steve number, Blake. Yeah, he was the number one pick in the NBA draft. That's it. You know, you couldn't get him to come <laughs> onto your team. Come on. Uh, the Penn State team, which, by the way, I should also mention, uh, Maryland and Penn State, these are both first-time run-throughs say, in the basketball tournament first time getting in and like i said we caught up with john mugar before and he said the first year teams they always find themselves in that first game down 15 at halftime because like they just expect like you know we're, we're ballers we come in we do this and like the competition of the basketball tournament is surprise uh-huh and everybody's like whoa so he now, goes do they, do they normally make it a game then in the second half he says a lot of times it's a game. He says the good teams are going to win that game. They'll come back. Uh, yeah. The other teams just don't, and they have to retool their roster in the next offseason. Yep. Next, um, year, next year's 364 days away. So it's something to pay attention to, too, here in this thing. Uh, but for Penn State, Curtis Jones Jr. Ooh. is on the Penn State squad. Um, you also have, and they've pieced a couple different uh, things together as well, but Jamari Wheeler is on the Penn State team. Some another of these good names, name. yeah. These names are like I. You say them, I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. See, yeah. this is why I think it's going to be fun for our listeners yeah. and Big Ten basketball fans because yeah. it's 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 got a lot of intrigue there. Uh, one of my favorite players that I've watched in my time working in the Big Ten, John Hara. Yes, I was wondering if, back. You, if he if he did he. Am I wrong? Did he play for the Menomachy last year? I believe you're right. I yeah, I say, I'm did. pretty positive he played for the Menomachy last year um joshua reeves uh julian moore mike watkins big mike watkins at 610 is going to be playing miles dread is another sharpshooter samuel yeah. sessions uh shep garner what a name right there i love shep hey, uh, what, what's your name what, what hi, hi i'm sam i'm shep <laughs> I that does work that. out pretty well. I'm gonna have to name. I'm still naming my next dog Bruce. <laughs> um, why? Why Bruce? I, I honestly, there's no. I just like the name Bruce. I think it's a a great, strong, funny name for a dog, Bruce. <laughs> um, Taylor Nussbaum as well on the squad. So Penn State's putting together a nice roster. Yeah. yeah. For their first run through. Now, this is the one that out of the Big Ten rosters, I think is the most impressive. Sorry, Sam. Um, but it's Ohio State squad. Let me run through the Buckeye squad here. You want to impress I'm, me? Put LeBron James on that. He <laughs> would have went to Ohio State. That'd be Andre, more impressive. Andre Wesson. Okay. CJ Jackson. Jalen Tate. Uh, da, da, Jared Solinger's coaching. I'm shocked um, he's not playing. I know. This this isn't uh, an old Ohio State player, but a former Big Ten member, Javon Bess, who started his career at Michigan State before yep. going to St. Louis. He's on this team. Caleb Wesson, uh, Keyshawn Woods, Kyle Young, and then they've got a couple other players from different places as well. But William Buford rounds out the squad. No Chris Gent, huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> no Jimmy Jackson? Come on. Well, and I think they used to have, uh, well, they, they had Kraft on some of those teams in the past. Yeah. They've had Diebler on some of those teams mm -hmm. in the past. I mean, this, they've won it all once, and, and this roster might be able to get them there again. It's it's pretty talented. I don't want to say anything nice about Ohio State. 
<laughs> Moving on. No, but so the, the no, basketball they're... tournament tips next week. And it's uh, as we kind of ran through, if you're a Big Ten basketball fan, it's it's worthy of your time. So it's, the Big Ten got four teams in, huh? Four official teams. Yeah, for a love die. Um, which, by the way, I should mention some of these other teams, they'll have Big Ten members on them sure. as well. It's just not a, a collective group like what these four are. So uh, even if, like you said, those four don't aren't exclusive to they just have um, uh, probably a, a good majority of their core has either yep. a relation or a an existence or went to those universities. So like, like I know uh, at least last year, and I, I don't know if he's moved on. Um, I, I know Frank Gore was Frank Gore, not Frank Gore. I forget the guy's name he's from, but he was from Purdue Fort Wayne and he was playing. Not, okay. Not, not Frank uh, Gore, uh, Frank something or other. I forget. Never mind. I I'm but, not but, any help here. No, no, I know you're not. The, and and that's weird because you know, like you know everything. But uh, well, now uh, I just picture the running back though, Frank. Yeah, Gore. I like, know. That's, all and I that's got. why. That's why in my head it's uh, you know it, it angers me that I because I loved watching him at Purdue Fort Wayne. He was really a, an awesome player, and and then he uh, he had played on that team at least one of the a couple of years prior. But like the connection to Purdue in some way. Yeah. Is what that means, and and not and shoot, John Harrell was on the team last year, and he had no connection to Purdue. It was just, hey, he needed a team, and now I'm guessing that he probably played a part into Penn State getting their uh, their team together and into the tournament as well. It very well could have. It's uh, it's a fair point. Um, I I do want to bring up because we've been talking about this too. We talked about it at the at the very top. Um. There is an NIL battle getting ready to happen between yeah. the NCAA and some of these different states. Uh, there is a memo sent out from the NCAA, and I'm pulling up Dan Murphy's article on ESPN.com right now to uh, get a little bit more information in front of us. But uh, there is a real issue in terms of how some of these state laws are going to be operated because the NCAA is saying that a lot of the organizations that are closely partnered with different universities, that it's going to be illegal. So <laughs> you're already shaking your head. Yes. Um, so, so let, I'll, I'll, I'll set the, the ground here. So again, a, a lot of these organizations, they're not going to be allowed to exist. Now there are some state laws that are protecting these organizations and you look at states like Oklahoma, Arkansas, but Texas might be the best example. And in Texas, uh, like the university for the Longhorns, they have the Longhorn Foundation at Texas A&M. They have the 12th man um, where they are able to drum up NIL money and pay the student athletes as kind of just right at the hip of the university. So the state law in those three states, among others, says that's okay to do. Because if you remember, as this all was birthed and began, there was no consensus ruling. States were allowed to do whatever they wanted. So these states now are saying this is totally legal. The NCAA just sent out a memo about a week ago saying that's not going to be allowed. So here's where we have the real battle. What trumps the other? Does the NCAA's memo end up trumping state law? Do they have that kind of power? Do they have that authorization? Or as this goes to, to courts, as I think it's it's inevitably going to do at this point, does state law continue to win? Because we've already seen, uh, I mean, like especially at the Supreme Court case when it was the NCAA versus Alston, the the consensus coming back it was nine nothing in favor against the NCAA. I think state laws, especially given uh, the the current climate and the current context of the Supreme Court and and our legal system, I think state laws are going to be able to reign supreme over this NCAA policy. So where do we go from there? That's kind of the situation that's brewing right now when we talk about NIL with both states and NCAA. What, what do you got on your mind from that, Sam? As a parent, okay? Mm -hmm. As a teacher, which I am both. I'm a, a parent and a teacher. I'm no longer in the classroom, but when I was in the classroom, 
I would first day of class always first day of school. I would have my class expectations and they would be so like strictly tight that kids were probably going out of there going, this guy's crazy. But they soon found out as soon as they were, as soon as we kind of worked things out, I would loosen them because it's real easy to loosen than it is to just let it be wide open and then, Oh, no, no, Jimmy, you're not allowed to do that anymore. But for the last six weeks, we've been able to no anymore. Not anymore. You can't do that anymore. As a parent, it's the same thing. It's not that I'm a jerk. It's I want to be constrictive at first and let it loose and kind of work out and find that happy medium to where there are rules in place, but yet there's still freedom to move about inside that. The NCAA had this information well before NIL was a thing. And what they do when it was going to happen? Yeah, go ahead. They just let it wide open. And now they're trying to s- tighten up the, they, they're screwing themselves over. And, and, and kind of inside, I'm laughing a little bit because you knew this was coming and you, you did nothing. You sat there and went, yeah, we'll take care of it. Yeah, it's not, well, it's fine. Let me, let me tell you why my reaction isn't so much of a laughter in this situation is because there has been a leadership change now. And I think under the previous regime, sure that this is all funny, but I, I think what we're seeing, like with this push here from Charlie Baker and, and the, the new NCAA head, they're tr- just trying to make something work and they're trying to feel out what their governing uh, authorization is because, okay, let, let's ask an important question here too. Why does the NCAA exist? What are the responsibilities of the NCAA? It's to be what a governing body, governing body. Yep. to help organize and host championships of the different sports so on and so forth, right? Which they well, do. They only they they host. They, they don't host one of the most important ones. I was going to say. So we already kind of know you could probably have other organizations host championships because the college football playoff is its own entity separate right. from the NCAA. Uh, other than that, it's to help make sure we all have a competitive landscape in in how we govern things. And that's been thrown out the window because the previous regime just uh, all this stuff started to boil up and they just threw their hands up and said, well, I don't know what to do about this. There's too much here. And and again, I don't know what all power it has, but it, it it's birthed this chaotic uh, landscape where some states and some schools have different advantages over others because they can drum up NIL money to pay their student athletes. So we're already on a really wonky landscape that doesn't, it's not a survivable structure as is something's Mm -hmm. going to need to change. But so the, the question kind of begs if the NCAA doesn't have the power to govern, which is one of those responsibilities, then what is the NCAA there for? And I think if the NCAA truly doesn't have the power to govern the play for the NCAA is to, again, as they already tried before, but I think it's to push to uh, the courts and the government to help them make a, a national law when it comes to NIL. And of course, I mean, we could have the same reaction again, that why is it the government's responsibility to take care of that for the NCAA? But if the NCAA doesn't have the power then the NCAA can't create an even landscape as we go through this. So this becomes really, really tricky. And you have to wonder if they don't get a national law, federal law in place for how all the states need to follow a certain NIL guidance, then how does this play out? Because it can't, it can't exist like this forever. This is a, this has to be a temporary patch. I, 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 the only thing I keep falling back to is they created this monster on their own. Had they mm-hmm. just put this in their pl- in place when they knew it was coming, Northwestern petitioned to unionize a decade ago. Mm-hmm. A decade ago, they can't tell me that, or you can't tell me the NCAA didn't know about it prior to that. Mm-hmm. before it hit and before you know normally when when suits are filed or something you know something like that's filed 
the people involved know about it beforehand. You know, they're, they're not most of the time, most of the time, they're not completely 100% blindsided by it. So to me, 10 years ago, plus ago, the NCAA knew that this would be coming mm-hmm. and could have, could have started something then. Yes. I know it's a previous regime, but what can oh. you, they, they screwed themselves over. And I was going to say, I'll echo it. I don't disagree with you one bit. The NCAA has put themselves in this position. But my question is, because I, I completely agree with you, the NCAA has completely mm-hmm. done this to themselves. My question is, what happens? Does if if we if we continue with those check boxes that I'm throwing out there, does the NCAA just simply cease to exist if it has no power? I mean, how does this play out? And then do the member schools just get together and form a new organization? How does this play out if the NCAA is told in the courts when this inevitably goes to to yeah. a court system between states like Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and the NCAA? Because I should be clear here, too, uh, Texas A&M's athletic director, this is a quote that he gave before the NCAA memo was pushed out. Uh, And this is a quote from ESPN.com's Dan Murphy in his article. But Texas A&M's athletic director said this in a quote when talking about the the legal battle that's going on kind of between the state laws and the NCAA. Here's the quote. The state law is going to govern how we do business. We will continue to communicate with the NCAA on a variety of matters. But in terms of this, the state law will reign, end quote. So it's already been laid out by a couple of these ADs in these school or in these states that uh, are, are being affected or in the middle of this, this story that they're going to follow the state law. Mm-hmm. So that's really testing and kind of calling the bluff of the NCAA and, and it's no power. Um, if so, my, I, I guess I ultimately keep coming back to if the NCAA has no power, what do they do? Especially if they don't get help from uh, the federal government. Well, they're going to be able to do the sponsorship of championships for the the lesser schools because there's no body that is doing that. But other than that, I don't I don't know that there's much they can do. And if you strip the NCAA down just to that, like then then we're talking about a, a completely different thing too, where they're going to be struggling for resources in different there's areas. Going to be a good office building in India, hoping. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, it's absolutely. incredible to think about, like we could possibly, I'm not even necessarily saying it's likely, but it's possible the NCAA could be seeing its final days with some of this, not to be doom and gloom and, and throw on, you know, the, the, the terror hat. But my, my point just is, I, and, and if it's not that I'm curious how it plays out and, and you know what, maybe they do end up getting help from the government, whatever it is. But at this point, I think that's the only play available to the NCAA in terms of fighting some of this and trying to create that competitive even landscape. Well, and they've even but they've even petitioned the government in the past. I the, the only reason I say it now is because we've already talked about how the NCAA's done this to themselves. The previous regime petitioned. I would be That's interested. That, that is very true. Yes. What what former Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker, who's now the new NCAA head, I would be interested in what he and the NCAA could do in terms of a petition. And let's let's put it to I mean, as much as I bag on the NCAA, you know, I I think college sports needs a governing body. I really do. Yes, it does. They absolutely do. So it's not like, uh, oh, you had it coming to you. Get, you know, you get what you reap what you sow. That's absolutely my feeling. But at the same time, they need something governing it. They can't just have the the complete and utter wild wild west that we've seen in NIL be everything. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you just can't have that. But you know, at the same time, I don't know. I I honestly, if if you were to make, if I were a betting man, and you said you have to to wager some a large amount of money on one way or the other i would say the ncaa is gone in five years and there's something else in place because i think with as crazy as it's gotten dalton since nal started just what three years ago Mm -hmm. it's gotten insanely out of hand already and you say i'm I'm sorry okay within 10 years of the start of nil so on the the 10-year anniversary of nil 
I would be, sh- I w- honestly would be shocked if the NCAA was still around in the capacity that, that it thinks it's in now. That's interesting. Because I just, I've seen so much. It, it used to be, you know, you take the off the NCAA, you're in trouble. Now they don't, now, now schools are going, you know, it's and, true. You know, make us, make us do it. Make us do it because of, because of NIL. Like now, like they opened that up and it's now wide open. They're like, okay, well, you didn't give us any rules on this. Why are you telling us what to do at all? Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't even care enough about football anymore. You sold that off, you know? So then, you know, so they care about football, but they got the big paycheck. So that's what mattered to them. And so if it matters to, if the money matters to you, why can't it matter to our players? Why can't it matter to us? So go ahead. Tell us we can't do it. We're going to do it anyways, because we have state laws in place. And, and again, the analogy of toothpaste out the tube and trying yeah. to put it back in like that absolutely applies here. Like this is, once. it doesn't work well. <laughs> well, the NCAA is <laughs> trying it now because I, I mean, that really is the situation. It's just yeah. already gotten out of control. And how do you rein this back in is what the NCAA is dealing with. And uh, the, the latest example, just being the, the state law battle that's getting ready to, I'm sure hit courts here in the near future. But um, it's, it's really going to be fascinating and something certainly to pay attention to. As we what are your forward. thoughts? Do you think the NCAA is on its last legs, or is that a, a thing that you think, well, maybe they do have a, a, a puncher's chance and, and it might work out to where they regain their 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 strength and what they used to be? Well, I like to imagine that uh, these leaders and especially like the heads of these member schools uh, will be a bit more nuanced in understanding like what the big picture. Okay. So let's say we just continue to, to spit at the NCAA and we continue to do whatever we want. Well, eventually we're going to land in a spot, even if the NCAA ceased to exist where we had a different organization governing us. So why, why run through that entire carousel when we could, you know, try to make things work here? I, 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 Honestly, I I hope at this point the NCAA gets hope from or gets help from the federal government. I, I just think that's the play. I don't know that they'll be able to do anything um, or that they will do anything. But outside of that, I, I I don't know what the purpose of just flushing the NCAA down a, a toilet and starting a new system is. Uh, given again. The NCAA has existed for over a hundred years. Like this is a long-standing organization, and although the previous regime was, as we said, not very good, it failed in numerous areas. I, I, I have some hope of what the NCAA can be in the future, especially with new leadership. I think the leadership was the biggest problem. I don't think it's a huge NCAA issue. I think it just was the previous regime and, and the position that it put themselves in. That's where I kind of stand on it. And and I, I so I don't understand why do you flush away something that's over a century old when they're trying to create again, like the NCAA's memo here, that's well-intended and it's good. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's hard to get people to listen to it because the, the war's already started and chaos is already afloat. And that's what I was going to say is I think that's I think that's why I think it'll be a new organization running it because the NCAA has damaged itself so severely in the previous previous regime or not. It does not matter. You know, it's it's kind of like you remember the uh, the movie unnecessary or necessary roughness by chance. Nope. Okay, well, it's got Scott Bakula, Sinbad, and a whole bunch of, but Texas State at the time was a fictional, you know, NCAA uh, uh, organ or uh, university and won a national championship, but they got decimated and they got like, you know, basically the death penalty and they had to rebuild itself. So it had the same name, but it just wasn't the same. And I think we're kind of at that point to where it doesn't matter who comes in and makes it clean or tries has the best of intentions the damage has already been done to where like it just doesn't nobody wants to listen now mm. i know every organ every school n- needs and 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 it's kind of like the the people of a of a country they don't necessarily like their government but they know they need it mm-hmm. you know what i mean and i think it's kind of the same thing the universities 
may not like the NCAA, but they know they need a governing body. And if you're able to basically turn it over and turn it into something else, give it a different name, doesn't matter. And, and, and actually have some things in place. Okay. You guys are starting this new organization. You're going to be a member. You are signing on to the X, Y, Z, these rules in place, this, this charter rule or, you know, set of rules. And it's in place from the start, you know, and, 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 and I'm not even saying uh, that the NCAA hasn't done some good things. I mean, it's been around for a hundred plus years. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's obviously doing something. It had done something correct for a really long time, but you know, it only takes one regime to really screw it up. And that's where we're sitting, why we're sitting at where we are. And it may, that's why I think that if, even if it's just a change to where, okay, everybody signs on because they know they need a governing body and it's all in place from the get go. It's a fresh start. Uh, you know, and, and it just gets going from there. That's why I kind of think because the damage is so severe to what has happened to the NCAA that I just don't know that it can recover from it. No, it's, it's uh, certainly a fair school of thought. I mean, regardless, we know it's currently a mess and we don't know if the NCAA can fix it. And that is macro level, exactly what we're looking at, but this is going to be an interesting one to watch over the next weeks months years whatever it is to see how this plays out yeah because it's going to take some time too for this for this specific battle of state laws and the ncaa fighting well, it'll over be, it'll NIL. be interesting to see uh especially with like schools like texas a&m and and things like because that's an sec school like mm-hmm. that, that that gets into sec country uh you know the longhorn that'll soon be an sec school you know very soon um it'll be interesting to see because you know, I, I'm being a history teacher myself. <clears throat> I I understand the 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 distant or the relation to one another, federal law to state law. Mm-hmm. If there's no law in place at the federal level, the state level takes precedence. But if there's a a, a, a law that butt heads, the federal level takes control. So yep. like these these law or these laws but these rules go into place where the ncaa is on one side and the state law they're going with the state because that carries more water mm-hmm. we're going to the state and that's the thing the the ncaa just doesn't have enough power to yeah. actually govern effectively in today's climate as is i mean if they get the help from the the federal law then then there's a difference that that's when it that that's that's kind of like why kind of why i brought that up even more is if the federal government then steps in and says okay we'll we'll pass something at least to say that the ncaa or the governing collegiate body will determine the nil rules which is what i'm guessing it is it's going to be they're gonna they're they're wanting some sort of legislation that will put into place that it puts an entity in charge of the nil rules not the state itself because then the federal law takes precedence over that state law and then all of a sudden the ncaa has got its power back yeah now the what what you want to do to piss off a bunch of schools is all of a sudden make it so tight that they can't even move within those rules <laughs> and then we just go back to the days of cheating that we had in college sports right yeah <laughs> that's when you get dirty dirty money and and see that that i, I what I, a mess i don't hate nil i hate what it is right now because it's like dirty out in the open money. You know, if, if there are guidelines, these kids can make a good amount of money, rightfully so, but do it within the rules of gu- and guidelines. I'm happy with it because they're able to cash in on what they're doing. I, I, I like the premise of NIL. I really do. I was going to say I'm with that too. And, and I mean, you named maybe one of the flaws, but one, another one, some of these, these sponsors haven't paid up their contracts. There's reports of that going on with NIL from a university perspective. Some universities can do it. Other ones can't because of the state lines that their school resides in. Like mm-hmm. the, the issues are so far, it's not just old man yelling at a cloud that young players are being paid. Like that's not the issue here. There no. are, hundreds of issues surrounding how the the concept is being put into play uh so we'll we'll see what the future holds for the ncaa well you talk about that uh what was it i i don't remember the kid's name the uh he's a quarterback at arizona state now but he signed a uh or went on or committed to florida 
because he got an NIL deal worth $10 million a year. And then all of a sudden they yanked the offer. And so he decommitted and went to Arizona state like that. But, but for 800,000. Yeah. Now I understand $800,000 is a lot of money. It really is, but it ain't 10 million. Mm-hmm. So like, that's the stuff that we're talking about. Like under the old guidelines, he committed to a school. He he's kind of screwed. He got to go whether he wants to go or not, you know? And if he, if he doesn't want to, he has to sit out a year, you know? So that kind of, so there needs to be something in place. I'm not talking about everything needs to be fair and equal. The opportunities need to be fair and equal, Mm -hmm. you know, because if a school doesn't, you know, yeah, we're going to have a football program. The most our athletes are going to make are for an example, $10,000. That's all they're going to make, you know, whatever. Whereas school X, they can make a million dollars. Well, if, if the kid wants to go play football and you know, everybody's going to go after the million dollars mm-hmm. or many of them, and there's going to be a lot of talent there. Yeah. But there's going to be a lot of talent sitting their butts on the bench because everybody's going there. So th- th- that's, that's capitalism. That's a, a free market, but the opportunity needs to be there the same, you know, the, mm-hmm. uh, the equal opportunity to be able to, you know, get us X amount, you know, you can't go something stupid, 10,000 to a million, you know, it needs to be in this window, you know, it's going to vary, but keep it in that window. Well, and that will know the NCAA recovers from it, especially, well, they won't if they don't get federal government. I was going to say, if you want to push this, this wrinkle a little bit further too. So you're, you're talking about uh, how some of this money is getting drummed up. Now, keep in mind, we were talking about some of the foundations here earlier that are closely partnered. They're at the hip with these universities that are, it's not like a separate thing, just working capitalism. We're talking now pay for play mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. it's just turning into sure. buying players. Like there's there's a difference, excuse me, between capitalism and earning money for your name, image, and likeness and just being paid to play. And once you hit that pay for play, and especially with the different state laws and everything, you have this uneven landscape. I mean, even it, it, it's like trying to, to create money at a certain level, like what the pros have, but not having a system with with caps and regulations to ensure that we're going to have a competitive landscape. Yeah. Like yeah. the current environment and ecosystem that this is at is not sustainable for a long period of time. That's why change is needed now. But it, again, I, I don't know what you do with this because the mess is already there and now you're trying to, to put it together. And so that's why, we'll, I, that's why I say I don't know that the NCAA can recover from it. I think it'll be interesting. It, it, that's why I think that in, in the next few years, you're going to see a new a new organ or governing body come into into existence and take over and be that government with those strict rules in it. Because. Like I said, most schools, there are going to be some schools that don't want any governing, but you know what? They're not going to be able to compete or, you know, get those athletes that they want to have if all the other schools are part of this body and then they're competing for their national championships. They're competing, you know, they're, they're getting a structure to where, you know, oh, this is legal. Okay, the money's going to funnel into that organization rather than these outliers that didn't want to be governed. They wanted to wild, wild west all over. I just don't know that. It's not that you're happy to be governed. You just know that you need to be. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's kind of that subconscious. You know that there needs to be something in charge, but I'm not going to make all the rules. Now I may complain about the rules, but at the same time, I understand they're necessary. You know, and, and I just think that it's, I don't know. I, it all depends. Oh, good Lord. I can't believe I'm saying this. It all depends on whether or not the national or the federal government will help. That's, that's where I'm at. I think that's the the prayer of the NCAA and we'll see if it gets answered. It's going to be interesting to watch unfold (laughs) for sure. This legal battle taking place, but that'll do it for another edition of big talk college sports with Midwest perspective, blue collar and blue blood uh sam why don't you let everybody know where they can find us on the way out yeah first off later this morning if you're in the canton ohio area uh asap and myself will be at the total fan experience at the football hall of fame at the tom benson uh stadium and conference center 
there's a lot of fun stuff going on there. So if you happen to be there, stop by, say hello. It doesn't matter. You, you can you can yell at me, just don't hit me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, it's it's a fun a fun event that ASAP is is getting to be the uh, the uh, uh, exclusive broadcast uh, sports uh, network broadcasting uh, entity there. So we're pretty excited about that. Uh, come by, say hello to all of us there. Uh, but as for big talk, you can find us on TikTok, on Instagram, on the Twitter uh, at B1G underscore talk, big talk at B1G underscore talk, Dalton. It's a one, not an I. It's a one. Oh. B1G. If you if you type in an I, you're not finding us. <laughs> so no, B1G underscore talk, big talk at all of those. Uh, just B1G talk at uh, on Facebook. Uh, you can find us in through the end of this month, so a couple more weeks, uh, once a week on ASAP, streaming on Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Eastern Daylight Time, whatever you want to call it. I always say daylight during the summer because we're on daylight savings time, but now I just hear Eastern Time all the time, so whatever. I always get confused, so I just say Eastern Time. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, well, that's just it, is you don't know if somebody's saying Eastern or day or Standard or Daylight, so you just say Eastern. Yep, what, that whatever works for time, me. Whatever time Eastern's on right now, that's what time we're doing it. Look up New York City on your phone. Whatever that says, that's uh, whatever the time, time it says it is. <laughs> yep, if it's nine o'clock on a Friday and you're looking up New York, New York City, we're on. Yeah, that, that works. <laughs> but we are part of the Lounge Media Group as well. Uh, if you uh, want to watch us and you miss the live stream on ASAP. Uh, you can go to Spotify and find our video stream, but you can also listen to us as a regular podcast on Spotify or anywhere else you find your podcasts. All right. Well, make sure you go say hey to Sam again. Follow the rules. Don't, Just don't hit me. Don't hit me. <laughs> I don't mind being yelled at. I am married, but I will not tolerate violence. Fair enough. That the ground rules are put in place. See, it's better than putting the toothpaste back See? in the tube. See, I don't have to put it back in because I've already I've kept it in from NCAA's got to learn something from Sam yeah. Sprunger. That's you know that's what? what we're landing at. I, I've said for years if somebody would just listen to me, I have decent ideas once in a while. Blind Call him. Finds enough. Make him an advisor. Yeah. Make him an advisor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I want to do that for the NCAA. I don't want my my Fair name enough. sullied by those four letters. Oh, on a fair business enough. card with my name on it <laughs> anyways i'm dalton shetler that's sam sprunger thank you all so much for tuning in for another edition of big talk and until next time so long everybody see ya